As we look at these verses, I was stirred to listen to Chris lead us in our worship um, with Brooke's song of In the Desert. Uh, I got a call from the desert this week, uh, Palm Springs. It's called the Low Desert. It's at sea level. And um, the phone call uh, also included a be sure and check this out as uh, they showed me a picture of the thermometer that said 122 degrees. I'm thinking I'd rather run the risk of an occasional snowbank than to have to endure, endure the season of that. God is so good to assign us where we are. My daughter also said in reflecting on her desert environment that it was, in her words, quote, a very dark place, unquote. And increasingly in our time, and not only in our culture, but um, listening to Wayne Mundell's story of um, having to vacate um, Zimbabwe and South Africa, as he did quickly, listening to Moses and what you've endured as a country and as a family, um, we are at war. And we're going to prepare for that. Our walk today is going to be seen as to be a walk that's called in the Lord. We're also looking at a walk that is described as having fellowship with God. A walk that has fellowship with one another. Uh, I, I just thrill at watching you during greeting time. I do. Uh, reflect, what happened then? If you're kind of closed, it was probably a little uncomfortable because somebody's probably pushing your buttons a little bit and asking you questions that maybe you didn't want to visit about. Or, or maybe it's like a refreshing time of seeing that person that you've missed for so long. Probably made some plans. It's called fellowship, being with one another. This walk, as long as we're occupying this decaying body, is called a walk that's in the flesh. This walk is also one that's in the spirit, and in terms of the flesh being sinful, then we're instructed to not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. This walk is one that's defined as being in an evil day. Uh, anybody want to dispute that? It was true then, it's true now. We are in a warfare, and I'd read a book by Wes Roberts called The Leadership Secrets of Attila the Hun, uh, who apparently was uh, a particularly, I don't know what word to use next, um, I'll, I'll use the word skillful, a particularly skillful leader. And it was said of him in this book, that he would say, choose your enemy wisely. Know who your enemy is. Know their weaknesses. And the warfare that we're in is not against flesh and blood. I think that's what Jesus was saying to Peter when he said, put your sword back in the sheath as he would have to wipe the blood off 
And Jesus would touch the lopped off ear of Malchus and restore it to wholeness. I'd love to hear a book that he would write of his perspective of the experience that night. Uh, The tension of warfare. The adversarial environment. An attack by a follower of Jesus. The loss of an ear. The restoration of an ear. What's going on here? Our warfare is not with the swords of the flesh. It is against principalities. It is against powers. It is against rulers of the darkness of this age. And it is against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The word of God in 1 Corinthians 15 has identified our primary enemy. It says there in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15, But now Christ is risen from the dead, and he has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. The phrase for dying. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, Afterward, those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power and and all of these spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness and powers and principalities. He'll put an end to all that, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet And the last enemy that will be destroyed is, what does your Bible say? Death. The last great enemy is death. We are fighting daily against death. We are dying. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. The last enemy is death. And please note carefully, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Death is not the victor. In fact, the book of Revelation prophesies That in the very end, following that great white throne judgment, there will be a casting of Hades, the grave, and death into the eternal lake of fire. As well as those who have rejected Jesus Christ personally as Savior. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Until then... We are at war. We've printed out for you on your handout, 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we walk in the flesh, 
We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not fleshly, are not machine guns, are not bombs. But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Can you identify any strongholds in our generation? What has a grip on our government? What has a grip on our entertainment? What has a grip on our bodies? Strongholds. I believe our Supreme Court has dealt this week with a stronghold, which has now become a stronger hold. We are at war. And these weapons have the ability to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In my youth, it was agnosticism. Basically, who gives a rip about God? And then through the college years and time to follow, it became atheism. There is no God to our generation, which is now anti-theism. It is against God. It is high mockery. It is in your face. It is profane. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. And it will cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into every thought a captivity to the obedience of Christ. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Often, it's this phrase. I don't know how I would have gotten through this if it weren't for being in the Lord. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He is the Almighty One. Put on the whole armor of God, which he'll define quickly, for this reason, that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He outwiles any coyote. He outwiles any deceiver. He's the author of it. You need to be able to stand against that. He's tricky. He's relentless. As a roaring lion, he would like to devour you. We are at war. 
Put on that whole armor of God. It's not just any old armor. It's the armor of what? It's the armor of God. For we do not wrestle or war against flesh and blood. If it was, Peter would have been right on. We're not wrestling against the Taliban, against the communist, against the militant Muslim, against the love of money. We are rather warring against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, in the invisible realm. But you who are being equipped to discern the spirits can walk into a situation and sense in your heart and your spirit, this is evil. And you know it. Can't see it. Can't feel it or taste it. But it's there and that's where the war is taking place. So as he said in the beginning, he says as a follow-up, therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you can withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So stand, that's where we're headed. When you're defeated, you're laid out dead. When you win, you stand. Therefore, stand, and he identifies five weapons of warfare that are not carnal, and they are these. First weapon, truth. Second weapon, righteousness. That's the opposite of sin. Third, the gospel of peace. The fourth weapon, faith. And the fifth, salvation of God, all of which are protective. I'd like to invite you to my ninth grade year uh, as a high school junior varsity football player. I was what you define as puny. And they didn't have all this high-dollar protective gear. There weren't these tight-fitting slip-on hip pads. Mine were the leftovers because the studs got the, the, the real stuff. And I got this bag of protection with a belt on it, and I cinched it up, and, and it still wasn't tight. And, and then I pulled pants over to hold them in and I was glad for him. But what stood out to me was it was poor quality. Very fitting. One of my concerns of modern day warfare is that we send our soldiers when it is a flesh and blood warfare 
with good equipment. We've run the rigors of the shortfalls of Vietnam to the death of some pretty special people to me and the wounding and the mental fatigue and anguish to those of our sons and daughters who have returned from Afghanistan with this question, where's the ammo? We're fighting a shortage. Do you remember how long it took to bring the Humvees up to armored levels of protection? The quality of the protection is crucial. One of the things um, that was crucial is this matter of the feet in verse 15. In Vietnam, the stories were rampant of my socks and my shoes, my boots were always what? Wet. Always. Could never dry them out. And the rot and the mold and the discomfort. When God says, take the whole armor of God, this is quality armor. Truth is related to something we can understand. You get truth? Boy, that thing's being hammered in our generation, isn't it? What's true? Is there any such thing as absolute truth anywhere? Truth. And notice that it's designed for our New King James Version says, having girded your waist with truth. But other versions say, gird your loins. Uh, I'd like to have us um, tactfully be as accurately true on this as we possibly can be. This is talking about the region of your reproductive organs. An area which sin is rampant. And what can guide and guard us against that sin? Truth can. Sexual sin is being heralded One of the sexual sins is homosexuality. That's a stronghold. Truth is what protects us in that vital area of our body. The breastplate covers this area. What is this area? This is where our vital organs are. You know, like your heart and your lungs and your liver. If you're a bona fide bow hunter, then you know that that's the thing we call the boiler room. That's where the lethal damage is done. A breastplate. And what is the breastplate? Righteousness. What is the opposite of righteousness? Sin. Our loins 
our breastplate, and now again our feet. That's where we get our mobility. You go ahead, my feet are blown off. You're not mobile. The only way you get there is if somebody carries you or you crawl. The gospel, the best news of the universe, the euangelia, the good news of peace. Do you recall how that's described elsewhere in Scripture? Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Take care of your feet. John Wooden, the only person to be in both the Players Hall of Fame and the Coaches Hall of Fame. First basketball practice, sits his players down, says, gentlemen, this is how you put your socks on. Ha, 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 ha. No, 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 I'm being serious, he says. Watch closely. This is how you put your socks on. Because if you don't have healthy feet, you're not going to be of any use to this team. I want you to take good care of your feet. God wants us to take good care of the gospel of peace. And above all, take a mobile piece of armor to protect yourself with. The shield, that's what faith is. That's what your belief system is. That's why it's crucial to believe in what is true. And I love the promise of this, don't you? This is quality armor. With this armor, you shall be able to quench. And I'd like to hear you. Throw out a percent right now so that I know you're following and that you're awake. What percent of the devil's darts does this take care of? What do you think of that? You're equipped. And then take what I thought if I was writing this was the first piece of armor. I joked first service, he's sitting here again. I have a picture this week of Scott Hodges getting ready to mount up on that big red. (laughs) Sounds like it's going to stall every time it cracks between noises. There he was, cupping his helmet. He was all ready and set and prepared to ride. And as he mounted up, put on the helmet. What does that protect? Why do people argue and legislate for no helmet? Because I won't ever fall. I won't ever be on my motorcycle and get hit by a bumblebee? What is that? And what does it protect? 
the control center of the whole body. That's what it protects. And what is it that protects the whole control system? And the answer is salvation. Do you have your helmet on? Are you saved? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's your final piece of armor that's protective. But from there, he goes to the one that's offensive. In the flesh, that would have been what Peter drew. But in the spirit, he defines it very simply as the word of God. That's why I'm associated with the Bible church. Because the word of God is the one offensive weapon. We just watched a video of John MacArthur on, uh, what's the guy's name that has the program? Who? Larry King Show. And it's basically a debate about homosexuality. And the penetrating truth of that was the Word of God. What's true about that? It's not about hating that particular sinner. And that's just one of multiple sexual sins that you wrestle with. So if you're going to do battle... Either it's going to sit there and get fired at, protected, or you're going to participate. And you're going to pull out the Word of God. I've heard it said of pastors, sometimes the only thing they really need to do is be in a situation and in a conversation and use the word God. It changes the direction of the conversation. And then bring in the name Jesus and sees what happens. We are fully equipped for this war. If you don't believe you're in a war, in a war, you are terribly naive. And if you know that you're in a war and you're not armored up, it's time you were. And then, along with this Word of God, is the second half of the two things that the Word of God says, this is what elders should be giving themselves to. The preaching of the Word and prayer. Your bulletin says you've been prayed for. Do you believe that? We have lists of names. If you're a new person here, then we want that name. We want to pray for you. One of the things that I think God has gifted Wayne Mundell with is a passion for praying. He is on fire. You're going to hear from him in the weeks to come of what he believes God is leading him to do, to lead us to be a more seriously praying church. And the degree to which we are is the degree to which these strongholds come down in our midst. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful, being alert 
I love that Colossians truth about prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Be watchful to this end with all perseverance. What happened when we prayed together today? It's a watchful thing. We're not going to neglect that. And the supplies for all the saints. It matures past God bless mommy and God bless daddy. If there's anybody in this universe I ever wanted blessed, it was those two people. Because they would teach me to pray. Brethren, pray for one another. How's that going? This isn't a beat up message. This is a gear up message. We're at war. Do you know that? Do you like that? Do you believe that? Church at Ephesus, you who dwell amongst some of the most horrific sexual sin communities there ever was, worse than the Las Vegas of the time. Put your armor on, brethren, because you're at war. And it applies today to where we are. And I love the personal plug that Paul's in. Paul puts in for his own request. He, he prays about what he's saying. That utterance would be given to him, that he could open his mouth up boldly to make known this idea that it's no longer just for Jews. This good news is for the Gentiles. And I am an ambassador in change that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And the winner is, I never like going to church and coming away depressed. I don't like going to church and hearing this negative stuff without any solutions. I'm at war. I want something to war with. Got it. Can we see Elijah? Ding, ding, ding. There it is. There he is. Come with me to the top of Mount Carmel, will you? It's just east of the Mediterranean. It's up there in the northwest edge, up by Haifa, where the Baha'i have their home base. And off to the east out of this hillside of Mount Carmel is this incredibly politically incorrect statue. It's a record of a showdown between what Elijah's name meant, Eliyah, short for Elohim, the plural Godhead that Genesis says is the creative power, and Jehovah, Father God, Elohim Jehovah. Would you put yourself in his sandals for a minute? It's a beautiful overlook. 
big valley, Valley of Jezreel. Also the valley of uh, the blood up to horses' bridles in Revelation. And it's there that the showdown took place between your God and one of the gods of principalities and powers and wickedness and high places. Jehovah won. Jehovah always wins. Where are you, Jehovah? I'm right here and I'm within you. Got your armor on? We're at war. I, I make no hesitancy to stand before you today and say I don't know how close in the future, but there's going to be a showdown between Jehovah and Allah. And Allah should take some notes from Baal. The sin sickness has a cure. And it took the worst of war to cure it. It took the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Son of God to gain the victory. I've listed for you a number of victory verses. Powerful. Thanks be to God who has gotten us the victory. Don't leave here naive today. We are at war. And you're not being issued flaky hip pads that don't fit and you have to cinch to not being tight. You have the truth. You have righteousness. You have salvation. You have the gospel of peace. You have the sword of the Spirit which is two-edged and sharper than any other man-made flesh sword. And you have prayer. And to quote Lib Cotton, speaking of her Jesus, she said, Honey, he's all I got. We got all we need. We are at war. Would you please say that out loud? One more time. Then we better have our armor on, huh? And we're either going to sit there and hide behind a bush or we're going to take the sword of the Spirit. I love being part of a church family that takes seriously the sword of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you That when the evil day of Daniel's time played out and his friends wouldn't bow down or worship another God than you, that the one who passed judgment and said, toss him into the stoked up fire, would have to ask, didn't I put three in there?
Lord, I thank you for the showdown for your people, the Hebrews. And that as Haman had built his gargantuous gallows, triple the height of this building, in view of many, a plan in place. Tomorrow, Mordecai and the Hebrews will die. And Father, in that warfare, you did something in the realm of principalities and exercised the power of your might. And it was Haman who hung. Father, there's a tension in the world today. The war is real. It looks like you've only got an Elijah against 450 Baal priests. It looks like philosophies of sin are accelerating and winning. But you have said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on your whole armor. So we say yes to you. And we intend to stand because you said so. Thank you that you have gotten us the victory. Thank you for these victory truths. Thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Thank you as we will get to experience firsthand watching your victory over the final enemy. And that you've promised eternal life. Father, if there's anyone here whose heart is stirred to know I need Jesus as my Savior, might they here and now open that heart's door and say yes. I get it now and I believe. Come in, Lord Jesus, as my Savior. God, thank you for offering me the gift of eternal life where here and now I receive. Thank you. Father, you've made it clear that we're at war and that you've equipped us for it. And that at the conclusion of this short season of life, we're going to spend eternity. Those who have received your gift and son in your presence. And those who have not, with their lifetime of mockery and rejection of you and your truth, will pay dearly. Thank you for how much you loved us and how you're motivated to die for every sexual sinner of any sort as well as any other sinner. Find us faithful. Help us to march at your bidding. In Jesus' name, amen. Invite the ushers to come forward and receive the offer.